the mother and Shurabindo at different places have made some very interesting observations about the entire evolutionary journey of uh, earth. And um, specifically the mother says when the supramental force manifests uh, as it is manifesting, this is after the manifestation. She said the first ones to be to respond will be flowers and plants and animals. And then she says, and also some very simple human beings. <laughs> and then she says, the greatest resistance will be met from by human beings, especially human beings with a developed mind. So you see, our development of the mind is very often a bane, you know, we think it's a boon. And then she goes on to say something very interesting. She says, especially the resistance will come from those who, uh, you know, say they are working upon themselves and they are doing a lot of work intellectually, you know. There are people who think that the whole yoga can be done by playing it out in the mind, intellectually, like reading a book. So one has done a yoga. So she says they, are the, they will offer the greatest resistance to the working of the supramental manifestation. Supramental force. So those who say they are working upon themselves, it's going to be very tough for them because by the very fact of working upon themselves, they stop the free flowing of the force. At one of the places he speaks of in one of the prayers, by the intensity of our effort, we sometimes create a veil between the spontaneous outflowering of the divine consciousness within us. And this is what we see in plants, in other forms of life. Even there is a very interesting uh, conversation when uh, Satprem asked mother that, uh, mother, you know, these locals, these, you know, he was referring to human beings who come and destroy the planet, etc. What should be done? She said, you know, if you leave it to nature, nature takes care of everything. Then he says, no, but you have to take care of a garden, won't you? I mean, otherwise insects will spoil it. She gives an example of her own childhood that, you know, she grew up in a neighborhood where there was a nice little place where there was a garden, not Fountain Blue, but place near a home owned by someone. And later on, the people went away and for a long time, the place was left unattended. She says after many years, she just opened the door to see what was happening inside. And she said in all the wildness... Nature had created a very beautiful space, not the artificially beautiful one which we do by uh, giving artificial shapes to trees, etc. But something very spontaneously and naturally. This is something we have to learn. So what do we do? We have entered into a mental phase of evolution. She says, well, what a flower does unconsciously, you have to do consciously. That's what we have to do. So we have no choice. We have entered into this phase. It has its own purpose, individualization, formation of ego, individuality, then you have to give up the ego, individuality. Um, you know, we become like ice cream, which is tasty in a nice way, in a nice container. So uh, that's how individuality is formed. And that's how we have to offer it to the divine. So for a conscious offering, this is required, this phase. So she says, those who have gone through the mental development and can now do with faith, with awareness, what a flower does, spontaneously, unconsciously, then the result is going to be much better and much more complete. So this is the reason why we have entered. 
But if we think that because we are human beings, we are superior to the rest of the food chain, maybe from terms of food chain, we are superior because we can almost <laughs> eat anything, kill anything. But it's not necessary from seen from the psychic and a deeper standpoint. In one of the evening talks when Shurabindu is asked by a disciple uh, about the superiority of human beings, Shurabindu says, who told you that human beings are superior? said, yes, but that's what is said everywhere. He said, no, look at, look at the animal life. And there's a nice story in the Upanishads about it. Now, one of the stories is that, you know, all the animals, they once go to Lord Brahma and they say, why have you made man the king? What does he have? He doesn't have the swiftness of the tiger or the deer. He doesn't have the strength of the lion. He doesn't have the, you know, many things which are missing. The faithfulness of a dog. He doesn't have the beauty of a flower. He has nothing. And yet you have made him superior. Just because he has an intelligence. He says, yes, yes, that is true. But, you know, I'll tell you, basically, there is. I'll call man and explain to you the whole situation. So he calls human being, one representative human being. And he says, you know what? Don't think you are superior to all of them. You can be superior provided you use your intelligence rightly. So man is happy and goes away and then he tells all the animal kind, look, if he uses it rightly, he'll be superior. But if he doesn't, he'll be worse than you guys. So they also go away satisfied. Which is so true. The Gita speaks of this in another way. We have Saitmak Buddhi that the intelligence should be upturned and interned. But in most of us, it is outturned and downturned. So, what better example than flowers, you know, which spontaneously turn toward the light? It's amazing how they find their way. They figure out a way. They teach us yoga spontaneously. Rivers, flowers, they teach us, I mean, plants, they teach us yoga in a very natural way. So, what does a river do? So, river knows that where it's coming from and where it has to go. That's all it needs to know. It doesn't need to know the path. Path will come as it goes. We want to know the path. We want to, we don't want to know what, where do we come from, which is uh, what gives us strength and force. You know, like a nation must know what are its roots. Similarly, humanity must know what are its roots. When mother was asked how to realize the consciousness of human unity, uh, she said, by becoming aware, conscious of your origin. We don't have two origins. We all have one origin. So by going back to the roots, we reconnect with uh, who we are deep within. The wandering seekers of the yogic, uh, the Vedic days and even pre-Vedic days. There was a whole civilization before that. They did not document anything, but they were wandering with just a fire in their heart. Uh, along with the outer fire, they discovered the inner fire and they were wandering like that all through um, the earth, seeking, seeking, seeking. Now we have all the books and answers, but the seeking, it's at the expense of seeking. So this is what we have to reconnect with the original seeking aspiration with which man is born. Second, we need to know where we have to go. If it is the divine, we can be sure that any obstacle on the way will become a path or part of the journey. Like a river, it finds its way. It doesn't struggle that, oh, this rock is in front of me. What does a river think if it could think? Well, I have to go to the sea. What do I do? This rock is there. It doesn't start splashing against it, dashing against it, doesn't complain, doesn't stop, doesn't stagnate. It simply starts finding a way. Either it will swell and go over the rock or it will create even a gap through the rock or it will just simply go by the side of the rock or sometimes in its mighty torrent, it will carry the rock along with it to the sea. 
So these are things we learn so beautifully from nature. And I think the time is coming when all education will be basically nature oriented as in really the Vedic times. You know, this kind of classroom education where mentally we are telling things with which uh, children have total disconnect with the real world and real thing. By real world, I don't mean the ugly things of life, but just walking through nature. So much we can learn and grow. So in that context, she reveals so much about flowers. And she's, the mother says that flowers are the language of the symbolic language of the future, just like the Vedic rishis had a set of symbolic languages. So if we see in the Vedas, uh, the rishis often speaks about cows and horses. Now, in modern times, we'll hardly see cows and horses because they are not, uh, they are dated in that sense, you know. We'll see something else. If we have to see a journey, a very strong movement of the vital or something else. We may not see a horse at all. We may see um, any vehicle which is going very fast. We may see an aircraft. We may see even spacecrafts to um, give us the sense that we are entering into wide space. Because the whole uh, symbolic nature of our life is changed. The Vedic Rishis drew symbols from what was in their life. The cow represented light because, you know, go, the word was so... Now the words have changed and those symbols are no more there. So we will have a new language. And she says in the future, flowers will be the ones which will uh, be much more useful than the language of the Vedic Rishis. Because they are very plastic and they can convey so much more at once. So, and this is not a, you know, uh, just a statement. Of course, nothing of the mother is just a statement. But I remember, I mean, recently I met a friend, uh, his name is also Rishi and used to see many kinds of um, visions of the Vedic age. Actually used to see cows and um, elephants and many of these Vedic images, lions. So he said, you know, of late he has started seeing flowers. So different kind of roses would come. So his uh, immediate sense was that I must, and he didn't have any, uh, you know, that kind of attraction towards flowers. So he went and he found a lot of roses suddenly and he brought them, started a rose garden. But then when I was hearing all this, I said, but you know, the mother was coming to you in this, in the form of a rose. Then it was like, uh, you know, it was like an aha feeling. And she speaks in Savitri, the other day we read this line, I am the burning in the splendor of the rose. So in, in, in flowers, we will see many times now, uh, especially the closer we get to the psychic, there are two ways uh, in which these psychic experiences can come to us, or rather three ways. And all three are very interesting symbols. So one is flowers. So if you see a lot of flowers around, so we have uh, some aspect of powers of the psychic, uh, we are you know, beginning to, there is a revelation of that. Or we can see the other symbol is of birds. Birds invariably represent some forces of the psychic world. Or especially if we see a swan or a duck, they are very clear signs of the soul within us. Or we will see a baby, a human baby. Now the interesting part is if we see evolution, these are three critical, uh, most fascinating aspects of evolution, uh, which are rather unexplained. The first is the blossoming of the flower. If you search how flowers came into existence, of course, biologists will explain that it's because, you know, it, it helps in spreading because they attract the insects. But uh, if you ask from a spiritual point of view, flowers are the one which, though individual, can universalize anything. You know, that's how they spread. 
simply because they draw insects or you know bees and then cross pollination and all but how flowers came suddenly what kind of mutation in the jungle life brought flowers of course it's only flowers came first then the fruits were born because it's through the flower that the fruits came it must have been so difficult for plants to <laughs> you know spread around so uh, the coming of flowers and subsequently of fruits is one of those evolutionary leaps uh, still in a way unexplained because they are so beautiful so different and of course the mother has said flowers are the representations of the psychic in the vegetal world now the second leaf if we really look at the whole thing uh, big leap is from the crawling reptile uh, suddenly it leaps into the sky it's it's very strange uh, you know if you see the life of um, amphibians then the reptiles till then it's logical now from a reptile normally would expect land uh, animals strong sturdy but strangely the swiftness of a snake as if could not be immediately translated into land animals and suddenly the snake began to fly it's a big leap filling this sky with wonder and beauty i mean bird watching is a fascinating thing uh, i mean people hardly watch any other creature but bird watching is a known thing because birds again they represent the psychic aspect in the animal world just as plant the flowers represent the psychic element in the vegetal world and the third is of course the human baby with countless possibility it's a leap and you know through us there'll be the greatest of leap which is in the offing already happening the the leap from man to superman so this these flowers and you know she had such a fascinating there's so many stories and interactions and the mother would say you can construct a whole language through flowers and many of us must be aware she used to play games and when people will come the children and then she would children means grown up children we are all her children so she would play with flowers and give them flowers to arrange and then she would reveal the names and their significance um, and then she says this is because flowers are so receptive that you can transmit the force much more readily and easily through a flower this is knowledge which india always had that's why you see flowers used everywhere in decoration in in plenty of things and the interesting part was that she says many of these flowers strangely had a, had the same sense as the uh, inner significance that she would reveal um, you know like that famous tulsi leaf is devotion now it is said in india that you can't worship uh, vishnu or uh, now it is with everybody but you can't worship vishnu or krishna without the tulsi leaf so you know if we really look at it this way that uh, krishna brought bhakti to the world before that in the vedas and upanishads we have gyana we have some touch of bhakti and some touch of works but shri krishna brings bhakti and he brings works into the world and so his uh, worship is incomplete without devotion everything else we may have but without devotion it remains incomplete similarly we have flower power variety of power flowers and we grew up in the tradition that um, durga puja will use uh, hibiscus flowers it was like you know which is par of course there are many other varieties of hibiscus there is agni there is a flower of aurovel grace you know wonderful grace uh, changing its color from white to pink it's like white of course is the divine mother's color and pink is the color of the psychic so the grace comes and it is received by the psychic and fuses with it i mean that's how i see the symbol of this grace uh, wonderful flower so there are different varieties of flowers and uh, she gave names new creation 
double nucleation transformation with nine petals there is a flower normal transformation we know with the one petal is forked and there are the other uh, three petals which are around but there is a flower which is uh, has nine petals on it and she speaks about the complete transformation because the number nine is required for the completeness and of course the flower of divine love and so many flowers she, she would name she was asked how do you name the flowers uh, then there is a flower called purity there is one called divine purity a purity for human beings is understandable purity means to be completely under the divine influence so she named the flower divine purity then she was asked to explain what does divine purity mean she says when the divine is completely under his influence because he is otherwise identified with the whole creation so it's very interesting our conversations with the flowers there is another one which is a variety of rose a very um, you know tender looking uh, small a pinkish rose otherwise roses are generally love for the divine and this one she said tender feelings for the divine you know it it reminded me of something very uh, interesting that we go to the divine we are all the time asking 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 pulling 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 once in a while we should think you know okay is divine is fine but especially when embodied divine what she must be going through i remember an incident when mother is standing for a long time giving blessings and her feet would get swollen so champakalaji once told mother why don't you rest a little and the mother said you know but i have come here for this i have not come here to rest and have a uh, what in uh, you know what a uh, inspiration and example for all of us even when she would fall sick she, she would just continue giving herself till one day shurbindu had to tell her that no you you need to take rest and he had to send a word that mother is not going to see people for some time few times when shurbindu had to put literally his foot down and stop so this uh, kind of thing so this tender feeling for the divines he said i am going to take it with me to my super heaven out there such a beauty is not found even there so there are flowers here which are not found even in in the higher spheres because the gods don't understand tender feelings for the divine they themselves think we are the ultimate she speaks of that that you know when she asked durga to surrender she said they don't understand she said what is surrender i don't know what is surrender whom should i surrender because the gods feel they are absolute in their own power and when they are revealed that there is something as the supreme beyond from which all of you have come and are respects then they discover something new but human beings know it we know it because we are burdened with all the cares that we have to constantly we are reminded uh, you know humility is a lesson which is seldom learned but every life experience comes to teach us that to be a less a little less arrogant and to be humble so there is so much we can learn uh, another example which i take uh, you know from flowers and the garden is you know when we go to a garden you know we are we often talk about unity and unity in diversity uh, it's very interesting that while you know we can have gardens there are gardens like that where there is only one kind of flower but a much richer and beautiful garden is where there are different kinds of flowers which are even when you have one variety there are different colors which are blooming together and um, often uh, this is a question which i uh, ask to some people that you know uh, imagine a garden Uh, and think about something without which a garden is incomplete so people often speak of rose or they speak of this or that but you know a garden is incomplete without the grass 
Now, grass, you know, the name mother is given to grass. Very interesting. Humility. Without humility, uh, you know, it's very interesting. If you if you have humility, then the qualities appear as uh, abhushan, gehna, ornaments upon a human being. But if one doesn't have uh, humility, then all the qualities that he is wearing will appear ostentatious. They will appear ugly. You know, whether it be intelligence or any other capacity or quality. But with humility, everything appears so such a beautiful ornament. So, uh, without a grass, as if it just, it does nothing. It has no, I mean, of course it can bear flowers, but uh, by and large we see it just as, you know, something green, like green carpet. It's ready to give itself to all the plants, supports all the plants. And yet without grass on which we walk, we can't imagine a garden. Uh, I mean, I'm not talking of rare examples where people have made rock gardens and all that, but grass is so indispensable. So there's so much we can gain and these flowers are very conscious he says even they can feel sometimes jealousies can you imagine flower feeling jealous <laughs> i mean i'm sure coming in contact with human beings like animals like animals have learned to flatter so you know dog has learned dogs have excellent qualities faithfulness loyalty but now they've learned flattery which makes it very you know they know that this guy this is how i can please uh, but flowers, he gives an example of holding a rose in a hand and the mother was uh, attending s- to someone else and she thought, oh, if, uh, you know, she could keep it somewhere or uh, or she looked at another flower and she felt, oh, this is so beautiful. And instantly, a thorn from the rose pricked her. And she said, oh my God, it's so conscious. <laughs> she would converse with the flowers and talk to them. She would converse with animals. When, you know, one of the panther, there was a male and a female panther in a zoo. And the male panther would, uh, the, the, I mean, it was a beauty. And they wouldn't normally come out when there is a lot of crowd. So when mother went to see, they were little hiding behind and not coming out. So she started sending messages. You know, you are so, such a beauty and you are not sharing your beauty with the world. Why don't you come out? You look so good. And then one of them comes out peeps and turns towards her and she kept giving these thought messages and slowly, slowly comes out and stretches and she says, what a beauty. So, you know, we have lost this ability to communicate with nature, with creation because this ability comes from a part that we have, we have within us but we don't uh, find it and that's the psychic. Psychic is one thing which can universalize us. That's the only door through which even unity can be created in the true way. It cannot be created through mental adjustment, accommodation and all that thing. But through the psychic door, we spontaneously enter into the spirit of universality. We know that each thing has its own place and in nature we see a very fine balance like that. So, when we uh, speak about flowers, uh, um, there is a very beautiful um, passage which which is what the title is (laughs) supposed to read that passage. Be like a flower. And it is very inspiring. Um, I mean, really, it's it's very very inspiring. When I had read it for the first time, I thought this is this is what a human being should be. So she gives these qualities of flower, and the first thing she says is, "Flower is open." Now you know it's open to everything that is around it, uh, to to the breeze, to sun, to nature, everything that is around it. Uh, of course, we have to understand this. Open to everything doesn't mean it's you know to 
in in terms of yoga we have to understand that doesn't mean opening to all the kinds of dark influences and everything around but everything that can give us make help us to grow you know in the rigveda is this famous thing that uh, let noble thoughts come to us from all sides so wherever there is beauty wherever there is light wherever there is the vivifying breath of life wherever one observes something beautiful maybe it in the babble of a child children can teach us so many things which we have forgotten i mean uh, sometimes i have seen remarks of children amazing and they they are like you know guru who is speaking in this form so uh, when we are open to light from whichever source it comes we'll be freed from all these narrowing walls which religion and ideology has created because it's not that there is the essence of truth everywhere and that truth we need to absorb so flower is open to everything that is around it but at the same time we see in flower that there is one thing when it tends to shivel when we throw smoke on it it instinctively knows this not good so you see as flower it tends to shrivel and the mother gives this example when she was asked that how to know um first about uh, the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do because we try to do it mentally and that's not the place where one can know truth but from the depths of the heart so what are the signs what are the indications she said you know every time you do a deed which is selfish when you are turned upon yourself uh, we don't need to bring in heaven hell and all those things she says you shrivel up and then she gives the example of a flower when you throw smoke on it it shrivels up and when we shrivel us up we lose the delight of existence because we are closed too closed very narrow even when the divine grace is pouring in we turn upside down and start complaining even about uh, the divine because we have shriveled up and if you really see all unhappiness has at its root this shriveling up this narrowness ego acute egoism she defined depression as acute egoism because you know i am thinking only of myself nobody understands me nobody loves me nobody cares for me <laughs> have you tried to understand others have you tried to care for others have you tried to uh, give something to others uh, and it's so practical even doctors nowadays uh, they they tell when a person is depressed they say keep a pet because you'll be bound to love or you know tree i have myself given this advice and this such a beautiful advice if you have trees around or plants around you can converse with them we don't need i mean of course best is to converse with the divine but if you don't have an access when very often people feel very lonely i don't know why people feel lonely the whole world is there to converse speak to a tree and it will take away all the worries uh, you know there was a little story that when somebody was uh, entering the home from a office he stood by the side of the tree and then after few minutes he went inside so his friend asked who saw this what were you doing he said i was conversing with the tree he said what he said all my worries and anxieties of the day i was just hanging on oh the tree takes a bee says yes the next morning when i go out it has already absorbed them you know this was another kind of knowledge which existed there is a tree called neem tree so when in india we used to have these um, pox and other things as a child so it was advised that take bath in neem water because it has purifying property that's how we were told so and i myself taken <laughs> when i had pox uh, neem water bath and it was also told that when you are going um, traveling uh, you can rest below a neem tree but don't rest below a tamarind tree these were things which you know what is the name mother has given to the neem tree i think some of us would be aware 
spiritual atmosphere. So basically, you, uh, I mean, if you look at it, the symbol, leave aside whether Neem has those properties or not, but how a deep knowledge has been preserved simply by the, uh, you know, by in the form of symbols. So, you know, you go, grow through these stages. First is when you uh, accept these symbols just, uh, uh, you know, because you have grown up in that. Then you are an intelligent man uh, studying medicine. You discard all this. This is all bogus knowledge, superstition. Then when you grow a little more, you start understanding the deep truth behind all these symbols. So it's a beautiful symbol. And so Neem tree is spiritual atmosphere. Who knows what properties it has? We have never explored. Like she spoke of the cherry blossom, that in you are the remedies for the diseases of the spring. So there is a whole world out there. There is a whole branch of Ayurveda, which you know people talk about flower remedy, box flower remedy. And of course, now we have uh, Dr. Vandana has also done a lot of work on flowers, mother's flowers, and we have also mother's flower therapy. But you know something interesting that the flower remedies did not start with bark. You know, the flower remedies are mentioned in the Ayurveda and it is called as Pushpa Ayurveda. It's a whole branch of Ayurveda where the treatment is through flowers. They had their own way of extracting the essence. Even she would say that they can give energy uh, she speaks about Madame Theo and how she will hold a flower and within few minutes she could draw the energy. With mother, it was very interesting. She would say that there was a lady who would come to give flowers and uh, she would uh, tell mother that, you know, I don't know, I carry fresh flowers but by the time they come to you, they get wilted. So she was complaining to mother and mother just smiles. She says she doesn't realize that it's because her own consciousness is all the time she's complaining. So poor flowers have to take the brunt. On the other hand, she gives example where people have offered a flower and even when they were wilting, they suddenly bloomed. One particular example is of rose, bud, very hard bud. And she just took in her hand and caressed it. Oh, you are so nice. That's it. And she turned for something else and it started blooming, petal after petal. They are so receptive. That's why she would use them for blessing packets. But there again she says the dried up flowers have to be used, not, not uh, flowers which have got rotten, you know, they have to be returned back to nature. Uh, but dried up flowers can retain the force for a long time, very long time, depending on the person. That was the way she used all the blessing packets that we find in the ashram are all the flowers that have been offered to her. Some of them which she had touched during her uh, physical sojourn, so you know, all of them are there. So it's open because, it, and that's why it's so receptive. They can very easily, you know, one can transmit messages through flowers. She has said you can even transmit to others. And the age-old practice of giving a flower uh, to a girl and saying, you know, uh, would you share your life with me probably carried that meaning because rose is the flower of love spontaneously. Though it should be love for the divine, but nevertheless, for most human beings, it's the other human being who appears divine. Till they realize that this flower, I thought as the divine has thorns in it. So probably, you know. <laughs> so roses are very interesting symbol. So much beautiful, but they have thorns. Of course, these thorns are necessary. Otherwise, they will be eaten away. Uh, given the beauty, you know, they'll be destroyed. But nevertheless, um, and so again, people practice in different ways. Some people will take away the thorns and offer it. Some people will offer with the thorns. Uh, with the bhav that mother i am i have everything inside me including the thorns <laughs> you take care of it so it depends on the attitude with which you approach so it is open open to the whole 
creation, everything that is beautiful, everything that is luminous, everything that is vivifying, it takes within. And what does it do with everything? That is the second part of the flower. She says it is frank. Frank means what it has inside it gives to the world. It takes in. Flower is an alchemist. It absorbs raw ingredients. What? Mud from the earth. Soil. It takes in uh, sun. It takes in water. Wind. Everything that all of us take. But what does the flower turn it into? Into beauty. Radiating beauty. Into splendor. Into fragrance. It's through the fragrance that she would often um, give the name to the flower. Through the fragrance. And it's a known thing that sometimes people feel Shurabindu's presence by the fragrance of lotus. Shurabindu's body had a subtle fragrance of lotus. Those who were near uh, him would say that he had, his body had the fragrance of a lotus. Uh, sometimes people will experience the mother's presence simply because they are having the fragrance of jasmine. So they know that she is there. Uh, fragrance of lotus. The Lord is here. I may not be able to see him, but I can at least have his perfume. So this is how the flower is a great alchemist. Take, takes in everything, including what comes from the soil and changes into what a beauty and very frankly it gives. doesn't hide anything. See, we understand frankness in a very uh, wrong way. We have twisted everything. Oh, I am very frank. So I tell uh, whatever comes in my mouth and uh, I can even throw venom because I am straightforward. Shubindu was asked, is this straightforwardness? He said, no, this is you are identifying with the worst in you and giving it to the world. This is nothing to do with straightforwardness. Straightforwardness and frankness is this, that you don't hide things behind conceit. There is no conceit in a flower. It is what it is. It blooms so naturally and gives itself. So the second thing is frankness. Uh, with the divine, we must be frank, just as we should be open to the divine. Not uh, having the image of a sadhu bacha and you know, People sometimes when they go to mother, they wear very nice dresses and all. It's alright, good thing to wear nice dresses. But it's also important that inside I should be also just in a state of offering. Not that the nice dress should not be that, look how nice I am. And people ask mother that, you know, mother, uh, what should we give you? We feel very bad when bad thoughts come to us in your presence. So she said, what's wrong with it? Because it means they have come to be changed. Offer them to me. What will I do with all your holiness and goodness? But if you offer these things, I'll change it because she is the supreme alchemist. The spirit's alchemist energy is hers. So, second thing is it's frank. And the third thing she says it's equal. So, the flower doesn't differentiate. Oh, this man is a big man. I must give my reserve my best fragrance for this guy. We do as human beings. VVIP culture. Everywhere. Oh, this person, yes. You know, if somebody walks in a very ordinary dress, we'll think twice even before letting him in. There was a very funny incident about it. <laughs> Our ashram playground, you must be knowing how strict they are with passes and all kinds of things. So once when Indra Gandhi had come and, you know, you'd see that famous picture in the playground. Kamraj, he was a, he had really some kind of devotion for mother. So <laughs> once he was walking in, typical lungi and all this, you know. Uh, that's how people wear here and it's magnificent. Lungi is something wonderful. So in Lungi he was trying to walk in and uh, somebody stopped him on the way. Lungi and Gamcha. He said, pass. Now he had never heard because he was close to mother. He, he, he almost became the prime minister of India. Pass. So he doesn't know what is pass. <laughs> so he had never heard. Nobody had asked him. 
so he was quite perplexed <laughs> till somebody else took him no 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 <laughs> let him come but that was not because he was a vip because he was a child he was little like a devotee we don't know that side of you know many of these people but otherwise there were people another you know big band whom she would let him wait and spend time with the child so freely she was giving it was not based on any outer distinctions it was based on something within us something very intrinsic and that intrinsic was is the person open receptive or is he just coming and just coming for the sake of it it is this so flower gives to all it doesn't question when we go near what are you going to do with me if you ask him what you want certainly the flower will have his own probably wishes and i fancy there was a famous poem long back as in hindi that i had read of a famous poet makhanlal chaturvedi and the flower says i don't want to be in the uh, you know juda of a lady i don't want to be a decorative piece what do i want the the road through which the great uh, warriors go to sacrifice their body at the altar of the divine mother safeguarding the interest and safety of others i want to be strewn in their path so that i can walk on them of course now if you ask probably i am sure a more developed flower will say i just want to be at the feet of the divine that is its uh, ultimate thing there also we are very interesting you know people offer flowers uh, but sometimes when you look at flowers and there is an incidence like that uh, where you look at flowers and you think they are anyways offering themselves to the divine why do we want to pluck them and you know put them un- both attitudes have their own beauty that one wants to take them and take it to the mother's feet another attitude is that they they can just be where they are and you know it's wonderful so uh, the, both things can be uh, in in one of the centers in india ratlam i saw this they have flowers and instead of saying don't pluck don't do this there is time when flowers respond very well so they have simply written one sentence Uh, they have not written don't pluck the flowers they have written uh, flowers are quietly worshiping the divine let them meditate and worship you know it was so kripya pushpon ko divya ki stuti karte rehne de please let the flowers continue their adoration and worship of the divine so uh, the second thing is frank and it is equal so it's equal it doesn't differentiate and then she says the flower is generous it gives freely everything that is had it doesn't hide anything but also gives it's radiates radiates and radiates even when a flower dies it provides you know uh, manure to the soil they are excellent in terms of manure so they come back and they allow new flowers to bloom so they are generous and generosity is a great uh, quality it's a it's a divine quality it's, if we look at the mother a wide self giving was a native act she just gave and gave and gave even when there was there were problems of uh, finances during the second world war she would still make sure that her children are looked after well that was the way she was giving i mean there are so many instances where she even gave away all much of the ashram incidentally is built on the money or selling her things Uh, and that's how the ashram came up later on now people have started giving and uh, whatever but it came up on that so at the foundation there is uh, the wealth which was directly belonging to the divine 
and then when there were difficulties in the ashram she didn't uh, send a notice public notice that i want money because i have a problem once she told ganesha and uh, <laughs> that day she, again they were playing game of flowers and she said is there really something like lord ganesha god of wealth they speak i mean he is also one of the uh, but he is ultimately the god of uh, who removes obstructions by the power of knowledge she was wondering is there really god like that and suddenly ganesha appeared said yes i am very much there so she asked him very good so he said what can i do for you divine mother she said get me some money if you can because i need it for my children so for few years 5 years 10 years the money kept coming then it stopped she said i used to offer give a flower every time at ganesha so that he remembers his promise but after some time he stopped she kept giving the flower but ganesha wouldn't respond so she called ganesha he said what's happened so ganesha says what to do uh, my influence is only in india outside nobody knows me they are not receptive i enter their pocket they don't give money so what do i do so she okay 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 not your fault you can you know how she would play with this you know another instance where narayana somebody gave her a for her they were not statues you see we think of these things as non living living uh, god symbols we don't we have messed up brains but for her everything was living conscious as a representative of the divine so when narayana came she had kept ganesha by her side on a on few napkins now narayana comes she wants to keep him also by the side but narayana is a great god he doesn't like you know in the temple ganesha will be by the side narayana will be dominating so she took narayana in her hand narayana appeared and she said look here you know he's a nice guy he's also my child you you please you know stay in harmony and peace so after telling him she kept narayana then she told ganesh you know be good friends <laughs> because jealousy is known even among the gods <laughs> so yeah yeah shivendra speaks of it in savitri uh, jealousies and battles of the gods it's no rival rights rival ideals uh, when there is a fight so the, the third quality is the, the fourth one is generosity so we should give ourselves freely but give means what not thoughtlessly we should give to the divine in man divine in creation you know once uh, somebody was in the line for meeting nalnida and uh, he had this thing that i'll bow only before mother i'll not bow or and shurbindo i'll not bow before anyone which is very beautiful i mean uh, then you know but doesn't know what to do if you stand before nalnida just do this pranam it doesn't look very nice also everybody is bowing so he went and uh, as he stood before nalnida when his turn came nalnida suddenly stood up from the chair and he said you can bow down to the mother and shurbindo's presence in me it was very educative of course one has to be very careful while taking these examples because people can easily start having a cult of bowing <laughs> and say you know i am mother and shirobindo's presence you are bowing down but nalnida could say it because he is fully conscious and identified with them so completely that so this thing about worshiping the divine in whole creation so that's how generosity has its roots that when we give to someone even in synthesis shirobindo says regardless of the gift you receive from anyone for a long time i had this issue personally that i would give but not take anything from any i used to feel that you know why should i i'll take from mother somebody uh, told me very interestingly uh, he said you know what 
you have this big ego. I said, what kind of ego? Please point out. I am keen to know because you know you need to. He said, you have the ego of receiving it. I said, yeah, that's you. You have a point. Uh, so I said, okay, from today, if things come, they come from her. I had read it in the synthesis, but it's difficult to practice it. Because always something in you, no, no, I shouldn't take it from anything from anyone. Then she, uh, Shubindo says that regardless of the gift to whomever you are giving and from whomever you are receiving, you should always remember that it is to the divine you are giving and from the divine we are receiving. So then we are freed from all the obligations that come, especially in India. You know, people remember who gave how much money and what kind of gift on marriage occasion. Why we have to return it next time? No, correct? This is so you have to tell them that look, no obligations. <laughs> you know, it's it's tormenting. So size of gift, what was given, somebody notes all these things. So next time you have to remember. So on another occasion you have to give it back because of the misunderstanding of karmic law that it's a mathematical transaction. <laughs> so, so I used to take a humorous note on it. You know, how do you know that the person is not returning to you what you have given in the previous life? <laughs> but anyways, each one must give what one has within. So that also is there. Those who are in materially dependent on us, we need to give them financial things because that's what they need. That charity. So we can give it this level. Then those who are a student, this thing, we have to give that kind of knowledge to illumine the intellect. Those who are seekers, the spiritual awakening, the aspiration, uh, this is the greatest gift we can give. She says that the greatest gift we can give to a child is the gift of learning. And to seekers, the greatest gift is to give the gift of knowledge. What knowledge? That frees from ignorance. That's the original sense of the word vidya. It's defined as that knowledge which frees us from ignorance. So this is the greatest gift and there's a whole high hierarchy uh, of things we can give materially, emotionally, those who depend on us, emotional gifts can be there. Um, then of course we have one kind of gifts which are very dangerous is vital interchange and I'm sure we all know about it. Uh, meaningless gossip and all kinds of things people do together. They give and take and it's very murky thing. Otherwise, these are the gifts we can give. Like a flower, we can be just generous. And then lastly, she mentions kind. And she says that, what kind of kindness flower do? What do they give to this world? Tenderness, sweetness, light, fragrance. They express their kindness in this way. Kindness doesn't mean that I have to find somebody in distress and do something. Just to be, just to breed divinity. Just to be inspired by the divine presence within. Just to look inside toward the divine and, you know, it's the best gift. Because just to be like a flower offered at the mother's feet, spontaneously fills her life with sweetness and fragrance and light and beauty. And wherever we go, whatever we may be doing, it will be being kind to this creation. Because what does the creation suffer most from? It suffers from lack of joy. It suffers from lack of love. It suffers even from lack of true beauty. In nature we find it. It suffers from sweetness because humanity has become so rude. I mean, sometimes when you see two human beings talking, you feel that they are two stones and some mighty forces are throwing them at each other. Clashing. Even clash should be like symbols. You know, you do this bhajan in a temple. Harmonious. So when two people fight, it should be like Okay, your turn. 
in a sing-song way. Then the other person will reply equally in a sing-song way. You see, very soon fights will turn into something very beautiful. <laughs> but uh, very soon it, uh, you know, in, we don't throw stones, it's true. Uh, but we throw something much worse and that is speech. And in such a harsh way that, and mother goes on to say that uh, speaking slander uh, and when we use very crude, vulgar language, she says it's like committing spiritual suicide. So, you look at flowers and you know, they are so kind. It doesn't matter how we treat them, they will always be kind. They will not uh, respond with, uh, the rose will not say, okay, come near me and I am going to tell you what my thorn can do to you. You may accidentally hold it, but it will give only beauty, it will give only joy, it will give only uh, the sweetness of its fragrance. So I think that's it. Let me just read that uh, um, whole paragraph. It's so beautiful. Thanks to now WhatsApp, everything can be here. And uh, this <laughs> first message long back I had put on my uh, um, WhatsApp thing. Be like a flower. Be like a flower. One must try to become like a flower. Open, frank, equal, generous and kind. Do you know what it means? A flower is open to all that surrounds it. Nature, light, the rays of the sun, the wind, etc. It exerts a spontaneous influence on all that is around it. It radiates a joy and a beauty. Spontaneously, not something which has to be done mechanically. There is a very interesting chapter in the Life Divine, uh, in Synthesis of Yoga. The works of love. Even love is an action, it's a sacrifice. Just to love creation... We are doing divine work. We don't have to give big lectures and you know, do the just be that and it's so wonderful. Then she says, it is equal. It is no preference. Everyone can enjoy its beauty and its perfume without rivalry. That's what is Krishna about. Everyone, that's what is mother about. People who couldn't see each other eye to eye. There have been quite a few, not only now, right from those days. And yet, around the mother. It's so beautiful. Sometimes I have seen at Samadhi two people who are fighting with each other. What is it called? Hammer and tongs. Literally, people have fought with hammer and tongs. But in front of Samadhi, on one side this fellow is bowing down, on the other side this fellow is bowing down. And when I was observing it, I said, what a side this is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this fellow may be asking. <laughs> Look here. We should never ask anything ill about anyone. And one place, <laughs> there was a person who used to ask to mother, may this happen, that happen, all kinds of useless things. And the person started doing very well, prospering. Then he asked mother, I have been praying to you. She said, what do you think that, you know, Shubhindu says that priest, uh, you know, anathema, when he curses somebody. So she said, you know, if you put somebody's consciousness in contact with me, what is going to happen? Health will improve. <laughs> Everything will improve. You may be doing out of whatever, but you have brought his consciousness in contact with me. I don't punish anyone. She has said that the Divine Mother never punishes, never condemns. She never judges. She just gives and gives and gives. So this is the second thing uh, it radiates. Then it is frank. It hides nothing of its beauty and lets it flow frankly out of itself. What is within, what is in its depths, 
it lets it come out so that everyone can see it. It doesn't say, no, 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 this is something very sacred. I don't want to share this. It just shared spontaneously because let it go into the world. Nothing really belongs to us. This one state of consciousness in which one can live and rise. It is equal. It has no preference. Everyone can enjoy its beauty and its perfume without rivalry. It is equal and the same for everybody. There is no difference or anything whatsoever. This is a sign of the bhakta of the Lord. You know, when Amrita left his body, we know what kind of bhakti he had for Mother and Shubhindo. And when he left his body, lot of people, not only from ashram, the most ordinary workers came. They were so touched. And there is a line in the Gita, sign of a bhakta. Nobody is agitated by him and he is agitated by nobody. He is agitated by nobody is easy to realize with some effort. But nobody is agitated by you. Something exceptional because a bhakta carries that sweetness inside. So equal. Then generous, without reserve or restriction. How it gives the mysterious beauty and the very own perfume of nature. It sacrifices itself entirely for our pleasure. Even its life it sacrifices to express this beauty and the secret of the things gathered within itself. This is the great example that we have from Mother and Shurabindu. When the mother wrote that how he sacrificed himself, prepared all, achieved all. He sacrificed the realization in his own body so that everybody can share it. His being had grown too wide. That's how it goes in Savitri. His spirit, my spirit's liberty I ask for all. A lonely freedom could not satisfy his being that had grown one with every heart. So how they gave, it's amazing Mother's Day. Morning, 4 o'clock, going on till night, 2 o'clock. How did she manage? And constantly all the programs she was just giving, giving. The donkey, the animal, the plants, the vegetables, material nature, gods, titans, asuras. Leave aside human beings, of course. All this she was constantly giving without asking anything. Once in a while somebody would come with the urge that I want to give myself. And she would be so happy. Here is someone who wants to give himself to the divine. There are such human beings upon earth. And then, kind. It has such a tenderness. It is so sweet, so close to us, so loving. Its presence fills us with joy. It is always cheerful and happy. This is the sign. Want to get rid of depression? Just give. Give to creation with the divine present in the creation. One will always be happy because this brings us out of our stifling, narrow state. And this giving fills us with joy and it fills everyone with joy. And then she says something very beautiful. Happy is he who can exchange his qualities with the real qualities of the flowers. Try to cultivate in yourself the refined qualities. So she has given a whole yoga in one single passage. To be like a flower, and I may add, to be like a flower offered at the feet of the Divine Mother. Thank you so much.